0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. We got uh, the big game breakdown. It's Georgia at Alabama. Top three matchup. uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time under the lights in Bryant-Denny Stadium. You can see it on CBS. You can watch it. CBSSports.com. Stream it on CBS All Access. CBS Sports HQ will be your home for pregame, halftime, postgame. I mean, heck, just... Just flip on CBS Sports HQ starting at 11 a.m., man. just It'll be the full day, all the highlights and analysis that you need leading up to the big game. So we will be breaking that down with, again, Travis Ryer, Rusty Mansell, two of uh, 24-7 sports best. Barton, as we sit here on Wednesday, a couple headlines I guess we need to get to. I mean, uh, we uh, is Florida LSU going to happen?
1: Sounds like Ed Ogeron doesn't want it to. And
0: who's who's gonna play? Did
1: you see? um, So did you see that Miles Brennan is is looking out? Questionable, questionable. Freshman quarterback against a defense. Like then they better score because Florida's gonna score. I guess Florida. uh, We don't know who's out for Florida, but that game. I mean, this season, (laughs) this season, that game sounds like a mess. Yeah, and if it gets off the ground. Uh, it'll still be fun to watch it'll it might be more fun to watch
0: no you know? no i disagree I don't, I don't know about that if so the um the unpredictability of it is, is is
1: fascinating to me.
0: I would go the other way. Like, I instead of thinking that this is just going to lead to something that's, like, totally bananas, I, I see that, and I think high school, where, like, you might be playing up-tempo, you might be throwing it around, but final score is going to be, like, 24 to 17 because nobody has any kind of consistency with it. Like, if, if that game happens, uh, I'm going to throw an under down on the board just because there's no way, like... So we got, according to uh, the reports... Florida initially confirmed five positive COVID tests and and this team is going to undergo further testing on Wednesday. We're sitting here recording Wednesday morning. So these these numbers could develop, but the reporting indicates 19 positive tests with 10 more players in uh, protocol quarantine because of exposure. So that is Twenty nine players for the Florida Gators reportedly that uh, could be absent from this weekend's game against LSU and not just the weekend's game against LSU. Like, Barton, I'm, I'm very glad that we got that um, clip uh, shared on social media. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. But your description of you know what happens to some of these players when they do go into quarantine, even if it's not a positive test, like you're not just out for the game. like You're just out for a while for like double digit days. And the idea that Florida is going to be all of a sudden, like if again, if that game is played, they're down 29 players and LSU is not rolling out. Max Brennan, we're going to be talking about what either Max Johnson or uh, TJ Finley or TJ Finley, two true freshmen. There's no telling what LSU's
1: offense could look like. Max Johnson is, is, he's actually a really athletic. Maybe they just get in a single wing for a week. I don't know. It's, it's, um, it is very bizarre. And, and yes, like, I, I don't know, again, maybe Florida's not as strict with their contact tracing protocol as the school I talked to, but if they are, then those guys are, you can say, say goodnight to them for two weeks. Um, and they may never get COVID, which is the crazy part. So, uh, this is just the way of the world right now. But, um, You know, have fun betting on
0: that one. Uh, I will. All right, so what's the... I'm I'm pulling this up right now. So after uh, LSU, we've got... The next game is against Missouri. And then you got a week off. And then the Georgia game. Florida down 29 players probably beats Missouri. I don't know if you can... Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech won two, beat NC State right. and Duke with down 23 and 21 players. Yeah, Couldn't get it done against... By NC State. By North Carolina. By North Carolina. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. They could, Which they might be
0: a good New team. State. Certainly a good Absolutely. offense. Yeah.
1: So, but but I, I do think that this is um, because of just the nature of the SEC this year. I don't think we've talked about this. I mean, there's Alabama and Georgia, I think. And then there's Vanderbilt, I think. And then everyone else... I think can beat everyone else, and i'm that's not even to say that Alabama and Georgia can't get beat or that Vanderbilt can't beat somebody, but i think there's I think there's basically three tiers alabama georgia, everyone else Vanderbilt um so there's there's varying incremental steps within those tiers, I guess, but given just sort of how tumultuous this season is i i i mean I don't, think you can, I don't think you can pencil in a W anywhere um, other than maybe Vanderbilt.
0: Again, the official word from Florida is that we've got multiple positives and that the whole football program is paused. They're not, they're not doing any team activities right now until we get some further testing in. As of 11.42 a.m. Eastern time, um, the game against LSU in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium is still scheduled. As
1: of right now. <laughs> So did they get, did they get practice? Do you know, did they get practice in on uh Tuesday? I don't know. Cause that's like, you know, if you're missing like your Thursday practice or if you're missing your Friday practice, that's, that's one thing. If you're missing Tuesdays, your, that's your work day right there. Wednesdays, you know, that's a, that's a kind of a mid, you know, that, that's a work day too, but, but Tuesday's the important one. And then you start tapering it down from there. So if they're just not getting those Tuesday-Wednesday practices in, oh, suddenly they can get back on the field Thursday-Friday, that's going to be tough to be ready.
0: Mm. Uh, And Ellis and uh, Miles Brennan, again, doubtful, uh, according to Ed Odron, he said on Wednesday, uh, got banged up in Saturday's loss to Missouri. I don't recall on my notepad. Now, granted, it wasn't my number one game. LSU-Missouri was happening on, like, my rotating uh, stream screen, so I, I didn't have everything there. I did not have on my notepad. Maybe this is my fault. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. I did not have a, a, a Miles Brennan injury as a note coming out of that game. To so how 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 banged up we talking right here for Miles Brennan, or is this is this a decision from uh, the LSU coaching staff that we're just gonna try some new things offensively?
1: I mean, they're not. This isn't a. This isn't an. Op, this isn't like an, an option. Like they're. This is. They're backed in the corner. If they're going with some of their miles burning, and so TJ Finley and Max Johnson, the the backup quarterbacks, both true freshmen. I. I mean, both are talented. TJ Finley has a absolute cannon. Max Johnson's the son of Brad Johnson, former NFL quarterback, is big and strong and athletic with a strong arm, a lefty. Uh, neither of them are consistently accurate right now. At least they weren't coming out of high school. So, and, and I think Finley is a little bit stationary. Um, It's, it, I mean, that's a precise offense. They, they ask a lot of the quarterback. It's a high volume offense. Maybe they might be able to mix it up pretty quickly and just start leaning on those running backs, Uh, which is something that obviously, I mean, Florida's had some issues stopping the run game. Um, So, uh, it'll be. I mean, it's it's going to be
0: a challenge, and and we'll see. John Emery Jr., Jr., Tyrion Davis Price, Chris Curry. You could get by on that running game, or at least could. giving yeah. the ball to the running backs in space and letting them go make a uh, go go make some plays out there. But whew! you know, I like
1: mean, you <laughs> ought to try to you ought to try to keep Kyle Trask off the field, anyways. Mm-hmm. Seems like might I mean might be might be time to just play a little ball control
0: i mean that's what texas a&m did they got that turnover and they said we're just we're not gonna let the super swamp brothers back on the field (laughs) we're just gonna run this clock out all the way and uh and win this thing with a field goal and it worked there you go uh all right i mean just nuts like florida lsu the the big game this week alabama georgia the most bananas they the most the most unpredictable game like even not knowing the outcome of alabama georgia i feel like I, it's predictable i feel like i've got a good good handle on what that's going to be i got no idea what's going to happen in gators tigers
1: i don't even know like, i got I, again might not even I'm, happen i'm 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 anxious to talk to rusty and and travis we've already talked to them but i'm pretending like i haven't yet <laughs> because I am, I am anxious to listen. I, they, I did learn. I, I, I kind of got a little guidance on how I should perceive this game in talking to these two guys, because it is such an incredible offense versus defense matchup that I don't really quite know what to think. I'm, I'm not really sure if I could tell you how this game is going to turn out or how, how it's going to go. I think it's going to be close. That's about the only thing I know. So um, after these two conversations, I think hopefully I'll get a little better. A little better sense. Hope that I can make a play on
0: it Thursday. If we've already had those conversations, if they've already been recorded, <laughs> then I, I would imagine at the end of them that I feel very good, again, not about the outcome, but at least in terms of what kind of game we're looking at and where the matchup hinges. So let's dive into it. Coming up on the other side, Travis Ryer gives us the Alabama side of things in Alabama, Georgia,
3: next Visit com today.
0: And now it's our pleasure to welcome to the show Travis Ryer, Bama Online Senior Analyst. Uh, Travis, this is a game that... You know, we knew was going to be on the schedule. I guess originally scheduled for September 26, back when the first SEC schedule was released, and now uh, when the redone 10 game schedule is released, it's still there. So the the high profile meeting of Alabama and Georgia, teams that played a classic with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart in the national championship, a classic in the SEC championship, it's going to be right there in Tuscaloosa. You know, are, are you are you feeling the the energy like as as you're trying to break? break this game down. Do Do you, does it have that heavyweight kind of feel that you would anticipate given the what's happened in these last two meetings between these two teams?
3: Yeah, Chip, I think that part of it's still there. The anticipation of, you know, the two teams in the SEC here in the last four or five years, of course, LSU had something to say about that a year ago, but in terms of consistency and a presence, when you talk about both these divisions, uh, Alabama, Georgia, that's been the storyline for much of the last three or four years, as you noted. And so I think from that perspective, it's there. Um, it is different, though, in terms of the day-to-day buildup because of access being limited. And, you know, but I think when you get to Thursday night, Friday morning around here in Tuscaloosa, uh, downtown and on the Strip, it's it's going to have that Alabama, Georgia feel about it. Travis, the uh, I've, there's
1: very few opportunities that we have to sort of view Alabama as fallible. Like there's – typically it's just this juggernaut machine that just marches on and then occasionally they play Clemson. Uh, Ole Miss feels like it might have exposed some fallibility in this Alabama team. Is there a feel within that building that there is that sort of vulnerability this year? Or is this maybe something that we should just – you know, tamp down a little bit and 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 and, and brush off as just a growing pains, weird year. Ole Miss is awesome on offense. What what's what's but, the what's the temperature there?
3: Yeah, Barton, I think you know this. Um there's a sense of urgency in any building that Nick Saban <laughs> occupies. But I would think, especially after giving up a school record in total yards and you know, the forty eight points that they gave up uh to Ole Miss, that's been heightened. This week, and you shouldn't really need any help, though, right? I mean, it's Georgia. That's probably maybe the best thing working in Nick Saban's favor. Um, I've kind of compared it to a situation that they had back in 2014. Uh, they were sort of sandwiched around Ole Miss and Texas A&M that year. They went to Fayetteville and offensively with Lane. They you know, laid an egg, 114-13. to And the next week, everybody was all over Lane. Everybody was all over this offense. Sort of a 180 from that, a reverse of that, just the defense this time around. So in matchups, as you know, they change week to week. And I thought Ole Miss beyond be, uh, between Jerry and Ely, Kenny Yaboa, the pieces that Lane has could really impact this Alabama defense because the weakness right now is right up the middle in terms of matchups. Inside linebacker in some situations, safety in some situations. Feel good about the corners. So with George Pickens and those matchups this weekend with Patrick Sertan second and Josh Job, probably feel okay about that. But middle of the field, man, it's been a real weakness between bust and also just lackadaisical uh, lacking tackling.
0: How much have you scouted Georgia, even for your own analysis? Because one one thing Gary Danielson mentioned this on the Georgia-Tennessee broadcast, and it's something that I think a lot of us have noticed as well. Is you know Stetson Bennett loves uh, that quick slant to the slot receiver and, and trying to hit you know, throw it on the inside, like that would be, you know, listening to you talk about Alabama's defense, that would be a spot where it's almost Alabama's weakness happens to fit into one of the few places where Stetson Bennett, the fourth is comfortable moving the ball down the field through the air.
3: Yeah, it's absolutely right, Chip. And I posted something on the round table at uh just this morning in terms of matchups on the defensive side. And know as I talked about with Barton there for a little bit, matchups change every week, maybe schematically, but once tape is out there on you and those weaknesses are sort of revealed, every team in the SEC is going to have some personnel that they can at least match that up with, even if Georgia isn't a tempo team. You know, and the challenge that Ole Miss gave Alabama in terms of going with hurry up Mm and tempo. You won't see that with Georgia this week. But you know, watching Georgia against Tennessee, I expect to see actually more of Kenny McIntosh at the running back position for Georgia this week than maybe even Zamir White, because Zamir White is more along the lines of an Isaiah Spiller and a Larry Roundtree of Missouri. And if you go look at those games for Alabama and in those situations, Dylan Moses, uh, Christian Harris, they were fine. Uh, but you saw McIntosh a couple of times against Henry Toa Toa, who is, we know, awesome. fab- outstanding. And he really had his way in the middle of the field on some quick-breaking routes out of the backfield. And there's no doubt uh, Bennett is a guy who loves the middle of the field. If you're Alabama, you've got to try to make him beat you outside the numbers. So
1: why don't you kind of diagnose some of this defensive issue? You you alluded to it, and I'm curious as you talk about what Georgia might do to attack Alabama's, like, weaknesses – How's Alabama going to address those weaknesses? I mean, it sounds like middle of the field is kind of a weakness, but I wouldn't have – coming into the season, I wouldn't have expected a Dylan Moses-Christian Harris trio, uh, duo to get picked on. Um, the safeties may maybe a little bit less proven. Um, can, you, can you sort of pinpoint what, what the middle of the field looks like for Alabama and, and maybe where they go to improve?
3: Well, one of the issues they've got going into this game is that Jordan Battle was ejected for targeting late in the old Miss game. And he's their best safety right now and their play caller back there. So they won't have Jordan battle for the first two quarters either on Saturday. So, you know, Daniel Wright has had his struggles when it comes to tackling. Uh, I know there's been talk and probably justifiably so about the missed spring practice and sort of the disruption of the college football calendar and how that's impacted not only Alabama, but you guys watch college football. You've seen it. Sure, uh, Teams are really struggling just in terms of fundamentals that you would typically take for granted. Uh, but regardless, we've seen Wright in there with Battle, but then we've also seen DeMarco Helms, a second-year player, replace Daniel Wright in a couple of games now enjoying Jordan Battle. But with Battle out, I think it starts this week with, you know, who's going to call the signals back there at the safety position? Bart knows all about that, right? That's your background. So um, I think Daniel Wright still probably gets the go this week because he's a fourth-year junior. And when you look at the other options to kind of run the show back there, first and foremost, you got a second-year player in Helms who's played a little bit on defense. Um, and then you've really got freshmen. Uh, Malachi Moore is going to be a really good player. He's already starting at the nickel position. Uh, Brian Branch is going to be a really good player. But are you going to rely on those guys to make the checks and make the calls back there? So that adds to the dilemma. And, um, you know, you said it. Uh, Arius Jackson in the slot. Um, Bennett loves him. He was big last week after George Pickens. It's seemed to check out a little bit. Um, so you still got to get Moses and Harris involved in that, and then Malachi Moore as an extension, I think, at the start position against Jackson. Uh, that'll be a big matchup Saturday as well. How does
0: the um what what about that defensive staff? It seems like coming out of that game, number one, just for entertainment purposes, uh you know, we, we've got Pete Golding taking over the, the Lane Kiffin position of standing still while Nick Saban circles you. And we talked about how Nick Saban doesn't yell directly at the coaches. It's more like yelling adjacent. Like, I'm going to yell this way, but it's meant for you right here. It, that whole defensive staff right now, what do you think's going on in those meetings, in those rooms? And do you anticipate any behind-the-scenes tweaks or changes in terms of the way that things are, are done during the week or even the way that things are called on game day?
3: You know, Monday was sort of like a false start Black Monday, it seemed like, for defensive coordinators in the SEC. (laughs) Todd Grantham at Florida was sort of on that radar as well. Certainly Pete Golding around here. You know, you've also got guys like Charlie Strong and Mike Stoops as defensive analysts, on top of having a defensive-minded head coach, as we know. And Nick Saban. So I'm sure the suggestion box outside Pete Golden's office right now is pretty much uh, at capacity. Um, But, you know, I think, again, it goes back to fundamentals, first and foremost, get lined up and tackle. If if Alabama does those two things better this week, I think we'll see a result at least more along the lines of what they gave up against Texas A&M, gave up 24 to A&M in that game. Because the the matchups and the style – schematics are different Georgia I think is going to help you out although if I was Todd Munkin I would be trying to figure out a way to get tempo as quickly as I could into my offense but that's not really what Kirby's been about it's not what Jeremy's really about not what Jimbo's about at A&M so that that could help Alabama this week
1: let's let's stop nailing down Alabama for how bad they've been on defense and let's talk about how good they've been on offense because that's uh equally fascinating matchup because you've got maybe the best offense in the country against maybe the best defense in the country. Um, Maybe the best offense of, of Nick Saban's tenure against maybe the best defense of uh, Kirby smarts tenure. Where, where do you handicap that matchup? Um, And, and I don't know, like what, what's your expectation for, for sort of who wins that uh, just absolute good on good sort of matchup?
3: I think everybody's interested in the passing game aspect. You have to be. I mean, you're talking about an offense for Alabama right now averaging – Alabama's a team is averaging 51 points per game. Matt Jones is doing some things through the first three games that no other quarterback in Alabama history has done, including this last guy the last couple of years, which he established some numbers that we thought would go a long time. But, you know, Matt coming off back-to-back 400-yard games – Uh, And we're going to talk about that all week, I know, and and understandably so. But I think Najee Harris is huge in this game, and not just in terms of what he can give you on the ground, scrimmage yards between what he can do as a receiver, what he can do as a runner. Uh, I think it needs to be that kind of week for him. And then pass protection, too, because you've seen some stuff, not so much in terms of just numbers that Georgia brings, is the way in which it goes about its four man pressures. You know, you see Georgia a lot of times and you see a safety or a linebacker coming and you go, wow, they're bringing the house. They're bringing four guys. You just don't ever know who or where it's coming from a lot of times. So I think that that's an, that's, that's an advantage to Alabama a little bit and having a senior running back, he shouldn't get fooled too much when he's in that role as well. And Brian Robinson's another veteran uh, that they can come off the bench with as well. But um Again, I, I understand it. I get it. I'm going to be talking about it all week, too. Um, but I'm going to be keeping an eye on Najee's scrimmage yard Saturday because you, you're still going to have to get something, I think, somewhere from somewhere other than just throwing it around.
0: There have been too many times this season where uh, Najee Harris is uh... – it is the, 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 maybe Barton. I think you might have thrown this one out here on an instant reaction podcast, but he's the the kid in the youth leagues that the parents call for the birth certificate check. You know, I mean, he just, he should be in the NFL right now, you know, by, by size, by strength, by experience, by production. He has a complete uh, NFL resume, and yet he's in here against defenses that have been underprepared for the season because of a lack of spring and offseason, preseason. And he is absolutely manhandling them. Like that. There's that, that is such an interesting piece of this because you could just rely on Najee Harris. And yet at the same time, I feel like Mac Jones, um, that emerging star and the way that he's been so accurate, the, how good he's looked throwing the ball right now, like guess, is, is there any identity shift right there that's going on? And, and do we see as the, the tests get tougher later in the season? Do you think Alabama's offense leans one way more or the other?
3: Yeah, I think more so than any of the previous three weeks, you're going to need balance. And, again, it may not show up in the form of Alabama rushing for more than 150 yards. More along the lines of what you would define balance to be in the NFL these days when you talk about the running back position, I think it has to be that kind of day for Najee on Saturday night. Um, You know, I I think that if you're Alabama, you don't want to be predictable because I think Georgia can generate some pressure, which is to four-man rush. Uh, and that's where Max intangibles and sort of his moxie. And Stetson Bennett showed some of this too for Georgia at this point. You know, Mac doesn't sweat a whole lot when the pressure comes. He does some very subtle things in the pocket to sort of get him in position. Uh, and there's some blitz deterrence. There's some pressure deterrence in this offense. I mean, when you got hot guys like Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell running shallow crosses, that can be big plays with just a, a seven or eight yard pass. So, you know, I think that and for some ways, too, though, it's a it's a validation game for Mac. You know, um, this is a top five opponent and we all know he's played well. We know he played well last year, played well in a loss to Auburn. Um, but I don't you know, I don't get into signature wins all that much. Um, but I, I think with what's being said about Mac and it rightfully so through three games, uh, this is the the huge stage for him. And I, and I don't think that'll that'll make him fret. Um, but it is going to be a different kind of challenge, I think, this week.
1: We, we, we'll we talk to Rusty about this, and we, uh, we have, and, and, and I'm going to just sort of t- toss this out to you as well. Um, team Town Composite came out. Georgia was number one, Alabama number two. Uh, this is the first time Alabama's ever played a team that, that is more talented than them by that ranking. Um, you know, Georgia is sort of – they keep on getting closer and closer – is, is is there any feel – and I know Nick Saban would never say this. I know in the building they're never going to admit to this, or, or it might not even be true. But around the program, fan base, supporters, boosters, whatever you want to define it as, is there any feeling of this sort of encroaching Georgia like as the force in the SEC and that there is some sort of referendum at hand here, whether it's this game, this year, whatever – to sort of for Alabama to maintain that status quo in the SEC. Is there a feel that Georgia's coming, or, or, or is that is that overstated?
3: I don't think it's just Kirby. I think the expectation all along was that Kirby was going to go over there, given that program, given that location, access to premier talent, not just in the region, but we've seen Georgia, even under Mark Rick, go national in some uh, some ways, Uh, Matthew Stafford from Texas. I mean, they've they've always had sort of a national um, approach to him. Uh, No, you know, I I think, again, not just Kirby. It almost feels like dog day afternoon or something, you know, and Al Pacino's trapped in the bank, and (laughs) he's got Kirby over here. He's got (laughs) Jeremy now over here. He's got Jimbo down here. You know, it's a a feeling of do these guys have him surrounded at this point? Um, If it was just Kirby – you know, Georgia's going to get great players. Alabama's going to get great players. Now you got to concern yourself with Jeremy up there at Tennessee. That's probably the guy that we don't talk about enough. And I thought the game Saturday showed you he's still a few horses short in comparison to Georgia. But you know, Jeremy's going to get players too. He's doing it in this cycle. Um, Jimbo's got access to him. Uh, you know, and then now you've got Lane and Mississippi and Leach over there. So, uh, you know that 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 could be a, a concern, but at least what we're seeing right now, right in this cycle, uh, Alabama's still recruiting lights out.
0: The there was a comment from Nick Saban, I think, two weeks ago. But you know, we've we're enjoying this run, uh, the Dog Day Afternoon run of uh, Nick Saban against his assistants. I like that a lot. I will have to credit you with that uh, if if I reference it anywhere on CBS Sports HQ or otherwise. But the. He had a comment that said, you know, it was really tough for a couple years dealing with all that staff turnover and he feels like things are solidified right now in your eyes, just from what you've been able to pick up of the way that things are going on in that staff and in that building. Do, do you feel like things are, are, have finally calmed down in terms of the staff turnover? And do you see those same kind of benefits uh, either on the recruiting trail or on the field during the season in game days?
3: I would say continuity has showed up maybe more on the recruiting trail to this point. Um, Guys like Carl Scott, Jeff Banks, uh, you're seeing it in this class with Charles Huff, the running back coach. Those guys have been around a couple of years now, and I think you're seeing the fruits of that uh, on the recruiting trail. I would say defensively, with an emphasis on that side of the ball, it's still kind of to be determined because... You had all the issues a year ago, which were largely about injuries. Sure. And youth, as a result, put into some tough spots. Uh, But this year, you bring back Dylan Moses. Uh, Christian Harris is a year older, a year better. Uh, You had to replace some key pieces on the back end of that defense. You know, we talk about the safety position. Well, Xavier McKinney goes on the NFL, and Jared Maiden was a serviceable player back there. That's been a little bit of a work in progress, to say the least. But, you know, that's where I would say we're not – totally sure yet. I know he's commented here in the last week about, you know, it, it, it feels like it, it's benefited the program, but, um, you know, defensively they still have some, some things to prove. And, you know, that, that goes back to player development too, right? I mean, we talked mm-hmm. so much about recruiting, but the secret to the sauce under Nick Saban has always been player development. So you're kind of waiting to see that on defense at this point.
1: All right, Travis, I don't know what you've uh, got coming on BOL, uh, whether you've made public any picks yet. I don't know if we're stealing the thunder, but I'm <laughs> curious if you're willing to, to offer up your expectations for the game. You got a pick?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick Alabama. In a, I mean, it's a tight game. I, I don't – obviously, with limited capacity, it's not going to be the environment. I would think that helps Georgia. Um, you know, Stetson Bennett making his first true road start, I guess, in this game. Uh, he's a veteran, though, kind of like a Mac Jones. And it's funny, we talk about all the talent on these two teams. Look at the two quarterbacks coming out of high school. They weren't exactly, um, you know, five-star type guys, but they're in those spots. Um, You know, I think, again, I think the matchup is a little better for Alabama defensively. I think the game slows down a little bit on that side of the ball for them this week. Um, And defensively, I think they're better suited right now for an offense that's more about winning inches and yards again than they are maybe the explosive plays. And on the outside, you know, with Sertan and Joe, you have a luxury there right now that I think anyway, you can kind of take care of business and, and make it more about a box game, which is typically where Alabama's great. Mm-hmm. And this year it hasn't been as much so it can clean up some fundamentals. I think it's a game in the low to mid twenties, which I think Georgia would be fine with. Um, but I think Alabama just narrowly gets it done. Narrowly, minus six. I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't lay the six. Yeah. No. I'm thinking something more like a field goal. Yeah. You know, I thinking tight tight. I'd Which you know, if, you know we're not going to get into special teams, but Georgia seems to have replaced Rodrigo Blankenship pretty well, and we know Alabama's history. We <laughs> <laughs> miss field goals. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. You're right, you're
0: stand up yeah. yeah so so many alabama fans just sort of twitch just a little bit just having to think, think about that is, are,
3: they're probably in a ditch Yeah, know, meant,
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> he is travis
0: ryer you can follow him on twitter at travis ryer go and read all of his analysis on Bama online bamaonline.com online.com part of the 24 7 sports network travis you're the absolute best uh thank you very much thanks guys Coming up on the other side, Rusty Manziel gives us the dog side of things next. And now it's our pleasure to welcome back to the Cover Three Podcast, Rusty Mansell, Dogs Two Four Seven, Rusty. That we we enjoyed getting a chance to to break it down with you, and uh, and now, like you mentioned, it, it was right at the beginning, right? You know, you had Auburn, you had Tennessee, and you had Alabama, and you you told us that Stetson Bennett. Might be able to to get the job done, and sure enough, here he is. And so, as Georgia's getting ready to go against the Crimson Tide, uh, have 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 that team. You know, I think defensively, it almost feels like we understand exactly what that is. But you know, has Georgia checked some of the boxes that you wanted to see in terms of being able to pass those tests in Auburn and Tennessee? uh, Now, with that big date in Tuscaloosa coming up this weekend.
2: I mean, certainly we, we were learning, too, with, with Stetson Bennett. We, what are we, 10 quarters into him now? He played the second half of the Arkansas game and you know played, played good against Auburn. Uh, Tennessee had some spots, had a couple throws I thought he got away with. Um, Darnell Washington made a really good play to basically keep Bryce Thompson from intercepting a ball you know, in the third quarter. But he just keeps making plays, man. And it's not – I love kind of watching our board because there's that team that, hey, this kid's a gamer, and then there's that side of, hey, he can't beat Alabama. And that's the main goal. You know, he's getting it done against these teams and it's, you know, it's a lot, but, but this is going to be a big test for him to see if he can do enough for Georgia to, to snap a five game losing streak uh, to Nick Saban and an Alabama Crimson Tide.
1: Is there a, are they going to have the option of JT Daniels? Is there
2: a, what's the depth look like? You know, I think it's DeJuan Mathis still, you know, there's, there, I know Kirby Smart technically said he's cleared. Okay, so he is clear, but that doesn't mean he's game ready. And I think that's the difference. Um, so I think JT Daniel, I wouldn't anticipate him playing this weekend. If they can get to this Kentucky game and then you get the bye week, I think you're going to find out what the true plans are. If they're going to try to give him a shot, they'll give him in the mix. I think a lot has to do with this Alabama game and how Stetson Bennett plays because let's be honest – you don't want to waste this defense. The ultimate goal is to win the national championship. You're not going to have a defense like this next year. They've got dudes, but you know, I said it before, all the right mixers are there right now. Uh, so you want to get everything you can out of a unit this special. I think how Stetson Bennett plays Saturday is going to tell the tale on how Georgia is going to attack December if they have another big game with Alabama and the potentially playoffs.
0: So we were working with the offensive line. We were trying to find the right five. Do you feel like um, Matt Luke has settled on, on a group and, and feeling a little bit better about the ability to run the ball with some kind of consistency?
2: Yeah, I think when you look at Warren McClendon going to right tackle over Owen Condon was kind of that, um, that, that deal that he's a little bit more athletic. I think Owen Condon had a really good summer, uh, but for whatever reason hasn't really clicked in games as much. But when they put in Warren McClendon at right tackle, I think things jailed a little more. They got to get Trey Hill those two snaps a game. I mean, that's something he's had a problem with, going on a year now. I mean, he has won a game if you go back and look. You cannot do that. The first snap of the game, Stetson Bennett made a hell of a play to actually go get it. The next one was a touchdown for Tennessee. So, and then rest of the rest of the game, he was fine. But got to fix those deals. But I think Matt Luke has got his five guys dialed in right now, and I think it's the five best combination Georgia has. Uh, on campus right now
1: so how, how would you assess where the offense is at right now for georgia because obviously as good as georgia's defense is alabama's capable of scoring points you watched that game last week yep. just like we did and the the flip side of that is i don't know how good Ole miss is they i think they're really good on offense but alabama's defense is is there's some vulnerability there And 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 georgia's probably going to have to get a few points on the board in yep. some form or fashion so so at this point in the season, I feel like we've seen some progression week over week, every week, a little bit. How confident are you in that unit? Do they have another gear in them? Do they have some more that uh, maybe Todd Mocken has yet to show us? Uh, give us your,
2: your state of the union on the offense. I think we're going to find out, and, and, and that's an easy answer, but let me give you a stat to back that up. We all watch a Georgia Auburn game, and I think everybody would be in agreement here that that went exactly the way Kirby Smart wanted it. He got mm-hmm. ahead, he pushed them around, and then the Barton Simmons word, he suffocated them, boa constrictor, put it to them to say half. Georgia won that game exactly how Kirby Smart wanted it. You know how many plays they ran? 64. Ole Miss played Alabama this weekend, they ran 89 plays. So, it, it, you know, Georgia cannot run 64 offensive plays against Alabama and win. They're going to have to have a better mix. So when I say we're going to find out, do they have another gear? They're going to need another gear. They're not just going to be able to line up and have third and seven and hit Karis Jackson on slot and those types of things. Alabama's going to be ready for that situation, I believe. I think they're going to have to play in front of the chains a lot more, take some shots down the field because you're starting to see a little tendency – if you want to get picky with Stetson Bennett, it's almost like he is the exact opposite of Jake Fromm. We watched three years, four years, basically, of samples of Jake Fromm, and Jake Fromm was extremely uh, high rate outside of the hashes. He would love to throw that back shoulder fade. He loved to throw the ball in the flats, those types of things. Stetson Bennett is a lot of throws inside the hatches. He's very comfortable tight ends and slot guys. The outside guys aren't getting as much touches, what it looks like to me. They're going to have to throw some 50-50 balls to George Pickens. Uh, They're going to have to get the ball in Demetrius Robertson's hands, guys that can run Jermaine Burton as another guy. So all this put together, I think after this game, we're going to have a real clear picture of who George is on offense because they've done enough, and they have passed those tests. They're going to have to do more to win this weekend.
0: Do you think that Alabama is vulnerable? Like, cause there is, all right. Uh, there's number one, there seems to be some kind of play calling, uh, you know, issues going on with Alabama defensively that they're trying to address. Number two, depending on how much you want to put into Nick Saban's comments, Lane had a pretty good idea, uh, of, you know, how to pick apart that Alabama defense, Are there, in your eyes, knowing all these things and taking them all into consideration, are there places in Alabama's defense where there are some weaknesses and some places that you can exploit?
2: I think Georgia fans looked at that and said, wait a minute, Ole Miss put up X amount of yards and 48 points, whatever they did, we're going to go at them. Georgia is not built that way. Now, what I would be concerned if I'm Alabama was the amount of missed tackles. That is not scheme. That is just personnel. That is – that is practicing, those types of things really worry you, was not an Alabama performance from that level last weekend because they're the team that if you do complete something on, you go to the ground. Very often you don't see the the yards after catch. I saw a lot of that this weekend. So I don't think that Alabama is going to face a team offensively that pressures you like Ole Miss. And let's don't discount Matt Corral. He had a hell of a game. Yeah. 300, 328 yards, 21 completions. I mean, they had they led time of possession. Uh, he had two touchdowns, should have had a third. So I think Lane Kiffin called that game, and I think he called that game with the game on the line every single play. His mentality was we got to win it right here. We cannot take chances because we can't stop Alabama. People complained about the onside kick. I loved it. You, it doesn't matter. Well,
1: should onside kicked every, yeah, every time they yeah, scored.
2: Yeah. I mean, it don't matter if you're at the 50 or you have to drive 80. They couldn't stop him. So he was trying to steal a possession, almost did. So I think the way Lane Kiffin attacked Alabama, I think I think Alabama fans are overreacting a little bit there because they're not going to face anybody that's going to pressure them like that. They're not. Florida doesn't pressure you like that. Florida's got a freakazoid out there at wide receiver that's a problem. They got some other guys that go with them, but they're not as fast as what Ole Miss. You look at teams, they come up to the sideline, the quarterback comes up, walks it over, looks the safeties. Looks to the sideline, checks it off. They don't do that. They walk up there and they're calling. They're telling the referee, "Get the hell out of the way. We're snapping it." And Alabama was exhausted in the fourth quarter.
1: You know, you, I mean, you've watched Alabama. You know these guys. You've, you yeah. you know Alabama's fishing from the same waters Georgia's fishing in. You, you're familiar with these rosters. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll go first here. I can't wait for the matchup between Devonte Smith and Tyson Campbell. Yeah. Maybe it's like, maybe, we're maybe it's Eric Stokes or I don't know who he, but like for me, I'm, I'm very interested to see if Tyson, cause I thought Tyson Campbell like played great right last weekend. Yeah. um And, and really is, seems to be sort of kicking into a new gear. Devontae yeah. Smith is probably my, even like probably my single favorite wide receiver just to watch I just, the, the fluidity yes. and grace of him as a player is, is awesome. So I, I'm, I think that's going to be an, an unbelievable matchup. There's five stars all over the field for both teams. Is there a spot, a matchup, a position group that you're maybe most excited to to see just from an entertainment standpoint? But but feel free to make this a key to the game standpoint, too, if that's what you're you're focused on. But I'm curious where the matchups are that you, you got your eye on.
2: You look at Eric Stokes and you look at Tyson Campbell, just as fast and big as anybody Alabama has. Where does Georgia have the question? And I stood on the sideline in the 2018 SEC Championship game, and they got him twice. Jalen Waddle scored twice because the star position, Tyreek McGee, and or Mark Webb, who was a freshman at the time, could not cover him. And he got him once in the back of the end zone. Jalen Hurts scrambled, got out, throws in the back of the end zone, touchdown late in the game. Georgia is going to come at him with Tyreek Stevenson. Barton, very familiar with him, five-star. You're talking about a 200, probably 205-pound guy. Now, here's the philosophy there. Alabama knows they're going to have him, but Tyreek Stevenson is so physical. I mean, he is dominating people right now. I watched a play earlier today where Tennessee comes off the ball and he absolutely pile drive the slot wide receiver because he got his hands on him. Mm-hmm. That is a matchup because you want to use the term jackrabbit. Jalen Waddle is, I mean, he is so fast. I can't wait to watch him in the NFL. Um, he can't, He's more of a twitchy guy. We both know Miko Hardman's explosive, but Miko had a touch of stiffen- stiffness to him. He's a lot of straight line speed. This guy change of direction, acceleration—it's everything. Not the biggest guy. I'm interested. Can Georgia put Tyreek Stevenson on him, and can they make him uncomfortable? And can Tyreek get physical with him because he is much bigger than Jalen Waddle? We'll see what happens. That's a big challenge, but I think that's a huge matchup in this game.
0: I'm I'm gonna make a big deal. Uh or we are. Like on CBS Sports HQ. It's a killer headline. The twenty four seven sports total team composite was released today. And The dogs got it. Like, that doesn't get you a win necessarily on Saturdays, but you know, to go beyond and and we're splitting hairs here, but it's ridiculous. Like, about one out of every five of Georgia scholarship players is a daggum five star. About 80% of the roster are four stars or five stars. To to think that Alabama had the the number one class in 19, 17, 16, and 15, and now Georgia's been able to to do that, like, are are those the numbers behind some of your uh, assertions that this is, you know, the most talented defense ever? That like you got to win a national championship with this unit. Is that where the urgency comes from? The idea that this is a unique collection
2: of talent in Athens? Barton will back me up on this, and we always get this thrown at us when people start talking about rankings and three stars. Which I think three stars are still elite football players in the grand scheme of thing. If you are ranked a three star, you better be a damn dude in high school. Georgia has all these five stars and these high-level kids on defense. Well, they got three three-stars, and guess who they are? Eric Stokes, Jordan Davis, and Monty Rice. They hit on all three of those guys. So when you mix in all of those guys, and oh, by the way, Jordan Davis is probably their highest-rated defensive player, potentially probably a first-round draft pick, uh, especially off that game and how he played against Trace Smith the other day. So all the combinations are there. They got speed, size, and everything. But when you, have, when you hit on three stars, when they overachieve, everything is there. So all the right mix. But you're right, man. When you, when you really dig into the offensive line of Alabama versus the Georgia defensive line, we'll know it's Saturday night, but we really won't know it until about five years from now and we go back and go, oh, my God. That guy, both of those are playing for Georgia. All three of those guys were playing for Bama. So this matchup here, is definitely one the NFL scouts will just absolutely pick the tape apart. I mean, every play will be scrutinized, every angle. This is as good as you can get. This is basically an NFL combine because they get to see dude on dude at every position almost.
0: 2011 LSU-Bama kind of stuff where you look and it's like yeah. every single yeah. starter ends yeah. up out there on in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I mean, if 2001 Miami would have played 2019 LSU – you know, that would have been the ultimate game. Like, holy crap, dudes everywhere. And quarterbacks, Alphas, minus Ken Dorsey, who, you know, did what he did. But uh, those those two teams come to mind when I start thinking about, you know, what you look down the road. But Georgia, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, man, it is – they're so, so big in person. Uh, it's crazy how big their defensive backs are. I mean, they, they are massive.
1: When I was writing that uh, team talent composite story, um, one of the headlines was – and, and and it was in in sort of a lead up to this game in a preview sort of fashion. This is the first time. 2015 is the first team talent composite ranking we released. This will be the first time Alabama has ever played a team that is more talented than they are, as defined by the team talent composite. Yeah. Do you okay. do you feel that? At all, like, or is, is that just? But sort they're of number just, two. That, that's the other thing is I don't know what no, to know. make of it. Yeah, like, I know, I know, I know. Like, like the, the, to be clear, like I, I don't. That that's it, it's. You're right. Like it's it, that, that you need to sort of provide the context there that Alabama's number two and, and sort of they're 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 much more equivalent than they are. But I mean, just sort of the novelty of that and and the idea that you know Georgia might be sort of more talented, however incremental that difference might be. And, and, and I just wonder if that's because that could all, you know, maybe they're just not more talented. But again, this is just as the team talent composite defines it. But do you at least even sort of feel different this year in terms of the way those rosters are compared?
2: Yeah, because I've had a chance to watch these two. I think the story behind the story there, Barton, is if it's a four by 100 race, Alabama's number four guy has outrun everybody every year, every year. Georgia's got a guy that was able to catch them at least and make it a photo finish. I mean, they have closed the gap on Alabama. That's the best way I know to describe it. Now, we're talking, you know, who knows what as far as the points there. They're both very, very talented. But I have made this statement many, many times. And I stood in that room in Phillips Arena in 2017 when Alabama walked in. And I stood there and Georgia walked in. And they did a little like two different teams. Now Georgia had some guys, but they weren't that deep. And when I saw 2018 in warmups, I thought, you know what, Georgia's Georgia's looks like. that. When I saw Georgia, I actually went to the game Saturday uh, and was in the field end zone on the field. And when I saw Georgia, I thought, this is this is what this is what it's supposed to look like. Now, what they do with it, don't know, but this is what they're supposed to look. Every position, and then you got little Stetson here. You can barely see his helmet out there in warmups, but uh, you know the, the mailman, but. You look at that, and you know Kirby Smart was this year five. This is fourth full roster. This guy, this guy has uh, he's closed a gap. At least made it very, very close in how we do recruiting ranking.
0: And listen, don't get it twisted. I'm going to make a big deal about it because I want to send everybody to 247sports.com and send them to the total team talent rankings. I'm going to pump. I was just on CBS Sports HQ uh, earlier today. Just just throwing the whole game preview out the window just so I could talk about these brand new rankings that were coming out. Don't y'all worry. I'm throwing
2: it out there. I got a text today from a buddy that's kind of runs in our circle. He said, man, Kirby Smart's going to kill you. <laughs> What I do today, he goes. Y'all got Georgia's the number one overall talented team. I said, Y'all. I said, Oh God, the rankings came out, so I had to go in and click on uh, on Barton's deal. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, and this is what Georgia's done. I mean, Kirby Smart is one guy. Me and Barton understand that they all recruit the same guys: Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. It doesn't matter if coast to coast. Even though they don't get them all, they offer the same guys, they recruit the same guys, and those kids end up for the majority on those rosters. What's your so,
0: I, go ahead.
1: Well, just you know, it's it's they they all recruit the same guys, but it's almost like, you know, Alabama has has like traditionally yeah. Alabama just has more equity to work with to yeah. sort of get those guys. And it's it feels like I mean, Georgia's had the number one class in the country two of the last three years, is that right? Yeah. Um and and so it's uh it is a very unique feeling in that regard that like, all right, Bama isn't just playing with a stacked deck compared yeah. to Georgia anymore. It's, yeah. They might still be more talented, but it's it's a much more sort of comparable uh, spot. And if they are more talented, it's by very minimal um, uh, difference.
2: I can tell you going back to the 2017 game, and listen, I know these kids like them, but I'm just being facts here. You go back and look at the 2017 secondary for Georgia with Malcolm Parrish and those guys playing corner. Uh, Dominique Sanders, who made a lot of plays for Georgia. None of those guys are in the league. None of those yeah. guys are in the NFL. None of them. J.R. Reed, he's not in the league. None of those guys are in the NFL. The four guys they got starting right now are all four going to the NFL. Two of them probably, if not first-rounders, before the mid-second, Stokes and Campbell will come off the board. Uh, they love Lewis Seen. They think he is a freak show. Kid can run. So, when we start talking about what, what you're doing and your story, that is exactly what we're talking about. I mean, they had a really good team in 2017, but it does not stack on paper to what they're they're trotting up there on Saturdays right now.
1: I'm I trying know. to think. Either of you guys can help me with this. Is, is, Georgia the, is Georgia the best secondary in the SEC? I'm trying to think if there's one better.
2: Yes. Probably, Probably is, right? Yeah. 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 because – just because, listen, they got DJ Daniel, and I did talk to an NFL scout the other day, and he said, look, we know he's a little banged up, but he has a really, really high grade. So, you know, he's sharing time some with Eric Stokes. And here's a guy that runs a four-four-six-one corner too. So uh, they've got three corners now. We can talk about what Georgia's going to face next year in Clemson with all them guys gone, Richard LeCount, Tyson Campbell, Stokes, and all that. That's another story. But for Georgia right now, I'd have a hard time believing somebody's got a better secondary because you throw in Tyreek Stevenson at that star position and man they're big they're fast they are really big in person
1: and that's a minimum requirement like you for, yeah. for against Alabama that's a minimum requirement you got to be elite with those guys because of the way those receivers can run so uh that that's that in that in and of itself yep. it, it could present as big of a challenge as Alabama's going to face
2: I think I think if we're getting to, to what we're thinking on this game you know kind of my thoughts it comes down to Mac Jones and can they pressure him because When I look at him and I go back and watch two Alabama games, this dude's shirt is as clean as it is when he walks on the field. And Mac Jones, I don't know that people are understanding how good he is right now, stat-wise, and what he is doing. Now, he's got some guys and he's got a big offensive line, but I want to see him. This is – again, Stetson Bennett has a test. I want to see Mac Jones get hit a couple of times and see what happens. Let's see that side. Let's see – because, listen – you know, we start talking about, you know, I don't want to say anything about Cade Mays because I think Cade Mays is a hell of a football player. But I watched Cade Mays get moved to left tackle and he's trying to block Aziz Jelari. Then he's trying to block Nolan Smith. And on third down, here comes his freaking six foot four, 235 pound kid that runs a four four and Adam Anderson. And he didn't get a hand on it. He couldn't get a hand on it. So I want to see those guys and see if Alabama can hold up for three or four quarters having that speed on the edge and pressure on them and Mac Jones as well.
0: We made uh we we gave some very good and I believe deservedly good reviews of Tennessee's offensive line going into the Georgia game. Like was yeah. it combo, they didn't play well, didn't have a great game, or was that really you think all just Georgia's playing on a very different level than I mean, without a doubt, a step up from, you know, the way they were able to dominate the trenches against Missouri, but you
2: think that was more Georgia there? I think it was a lot of Georgia. I really do. I got a chance to watch that real close, and I think they had some bad matchups, especially on the edge. Um, you know, interior-wise, those guys held their own. But uh, I think this Tennessee team's got at least three guys that's going to play NFL, at least three. I think the guy that kind of disappointed me the most was Wanya Morris because I was a high – I was Bart knows I was really high on him in high school. I think he's a very athletic guy, and he had a very bad day. I mean, he gave up the sack, to disease of uh, Monty Rice strip sack come through his gap. I mean, he had a couple of things that he just got to get a little bit better at. And those are coaching moves, but um, I really just think it was kind of one of those deals where they go back and look a couple of years from now and go like, man, now wonder we could block those dudes. I mean, look what they're doing on Sundays because they're, they're pretty damn talented up front.
0: So what's your uh, game pick?
2: Yeah. 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 You, you
0: I mean, I know we're catching you early in the week. We'll You've, got spoil, yeah. You've got time. You've yeah. got time to be able to get your official pick
2: out, but I mean, you I, give us any- this like a commitment video and take and pick two choices and y'all just run one on Friday. Right. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and I committed George and then commit to Alabama. Y'all run it when, on Friday at the press conference. <laughs> um, you know, I've looked at this a lot of ways and you know, it is early in the week, but I've really have dug into this game. And I, you know, I think, The last couple of years has been a pretty big trend of the elite offensive teams winning games like this. You go back and look at Alabama last year, 46-41 LSU. You go back and look at LSU versus Georgia last year. I mean, Georgia couldn't do anything on offense, but their defense really didn't play that bad until midway through the third and just gave out. Um, I just think that Georgia – has got to find another gear this week. And I don't know if they're quite there right now. I don't know that they're quite there to win a 38-35 game with Alabama. I, I just don't. And, you know, when I look at this game, it's, it's going to, if they do lose again, it's going to be a rough night on our board. But I think Georgia fans need to understand uh, you probably maybe lean at this point, they'll get another shot at them in December. And it's hard to beat a really good team twice. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer in that. So I heard somebody say yesterday on the radio it'd be the most Georgia thing ever to beat them on Saturday night and then lose in the Dome and not even make the playoffs, you know. Uh, but I think that Georgia, this is a big test for them. And and again, I think when this Sunday morning, when I listen to the cover three, I was impressed with y'all, man. I get up at 7 o'clock Sunday morning, cup of coffee, and I'll turn my phone on. The first thing I get is a cover three update. I'm like, they're working third shift, man. I knew Bart wasn't going to be on there. I'd be damned Bart Barton wasn't on there.
1: Hey, the body clock. We, we spent enough time on Broadway on Saturday nights, those late nights, hey, that the hey. body clock just knows hey, what's up.
2: Hey, man, I was proud of y'all. Had a two-hour ride home. I got an hour and 30 minutes of you guys, so it was good. But I think by the time you guys record that, we're going to know where Georgia is and if it's going to be, hey, Stetson Bennett is enough or is this question going to remain of, hey, they're going to have to have JT Daniel probably if they're going to beat this team in December. So my prediction right now – I would say 30 to 24. Um, I think it's going to be a hell of a football game. I'll go with Alabama at this point because I know their offense is proven, and uh, I think they're going they're going to fix some things defensively. Again, this Georgia doesn't bring that speed ball that, that Ole Miss has showed them, but we'll see. If Georgia can if Georgia can stop the run and put it into Mac Jones' hands, it might be a different story. So we'll see. But right now, I'll go with 30 to 24, Alabama.
1: Not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but hey, I think all Georgia has to do is get one of them. If yeah, yeah. man, I, don't even, I don't think it matters which one. I think if Alabama and Georgia split, mm-hmm. if, they, if they win the rest of their games, which is obviously a big if, they, I mean, that's, they got to do that, but if they're as good as we think they are, they both win the rest of their games, they meet again in Atlanta. I think as long as those two games are split, it, it doesn't matter who won which one. I think they'll both get in along with Ohio State and Clemson.
2: Let me give you this scenario. Yo, I'll say Clemson are in. Now they're just, they're just, they're basically having spring practice until it's time <laughs> all stations have like six inter squad scrimmages for Saturdays and just televise those. Let me ask you this, Barton, uh, Georgia wins Saturday, loses to Florida does not go to the sec championship. And then you have an undefeated Oregon. So you got Clemson and Ohio state who are locks. We all agree. I would think they're locks. You get an sec champion. Does a one-loss SEC team? What if Oregon just runs through the Pac-12? Just run- yeah, there,
1: there's only so much running you can do in six games, I right? Know. I, know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like, unless let I me mean, look. Yes, if they get just absolutely nasty out yeah. there and they're just you know, it's a third, it's thirty-point wins all over the place. Yep. Then I yeah, you gotta gotta put them in. But I think if they're if they're slipping by and like they're getting, I don't, know, I can't remember who's even, on their schedule. Even
2: one, even one game. You know, yeah. if they beat if they beat Cal thirty-three to thirty-two and two overtimes. That's that's almost an L in my opinion. So right. I'm just going through different scenarios and knowing that right now, uh, and again, we could talk the rest of the day. I mean, Texas a and schedule. I mean, who, who knows with those guys? So mm-hmm. um, it's there's a lot there, but I do think, in my opinion, these two these teams are going to play twice, and um, you know, Georgia needs to get one for for sure. I mean, they got to they've been close too many times and. I know on the recruiting trail, that's the only thing left. When you get those little negative comments, and everybody does, Georgia does it as well to other teams, I'm sure, the negative comment is, hey, Kirby Smart can't win that big, big one when it's said and done. So, you know, this will be prime time the entire country will be watching. This would be a huge monkey off his back to to finally beat Alabama.
0: If Georgia gets the Alabama path into the playoff that you just described right there, what happened? Lose the rivalry game, then they win the national championship. That's just precedent. The last time yep. that somebody
2: happened, fans would be—you know—pissed. Alabama fans would be, you know fans be if, they, if Georgia takes the route they took two <laughs> years ago. You know, so I was just thinking about all those settings and all those scenarios today. But uh, the good part about our job we get to talk about it and we get to see—it's uh, just fun when you see elite, elite uh, player on player Saturday night.
0: Um. Before we get you out of here, you mentioned Florida right there. What's, what's, what's your gauge right now
2: on the Gators? I think they have got one of the most physically gifted players in the game, regardless of position. I, I watched Texas A&M the first couple of drives, and they tried everything. They tried to jam him. They tried to dub. Next time you get the field level view, watch when he walks by everybody. The DBs are at his shoulder pads. And I'll be honest with you. Georgia tried to put Richard LeCount on him last year, and he abused Richard LeCount. They had to come back in with two bigger guys. Ultimately, Georgia said, "We got to go get Kyle Trask. We got to get him before we can get rid of it." That's what they're going to try to do. So, but on defensive side, man, they they they've got problems. I mean, they can't get you off the field third down. I know the, the old saying with third and Grantham. Uh, I, I saw someone yesterday say he played at Georgia for Todd Grantham. He said, "Man, if you're confused." You're lost because he has so much exotic stuff, and maybe Dan Mullen came in because Dan Mullen made a comment yesterday. I don't know if you heard him make the comment. Let's make sure our guy, we're putting our guys be able to use their abilities. And I bet he went down there and said, "No more of this 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 hot zone crap and all that. Let's lock these guys up on the outside and play and play football, because Grantham does a lot of exotic blitzing and stuff." You know, that's basically where Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp were going out to the Cowboys and spending time with Grantham. That's how Grantham got into that circle, and that's how he got into college football. He was the guy for the Cowboys coming up with all these crazy blitzes that nobody knew. So they go out there and spend time with him, and next thing you know, a couple years later, this guy is in, you know, is in you know the SEC. A
0: lot of SEC coaches talking about trying to simplify it. You know, Ed O'Dron saying, just got to run uh, one play. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> It's, is they that finally
1: the got to have something other than the power eye, and now they got to try to simplify everything.
2: I, I see that whole deal, LSU. It's, it's shocking. It's shocking, you know. So I don't know if Bopolini is going to make it around for Christmas cards this year at his current address. We'll see what happens. Well,
0: I hope he's renting. That's for damn sure.
2: I would imagine. Most of those guys do rent. It's what's crazy, you know. They go in those towns and rent. You know, I know when Will Friend was in Georgia. Uh, he rented a house like three or four years. Like, dude, you going to buy a house? He's like, man, hell no. I'm a college football coach. You know, I'm just renting houses.
0: Hey, That's the way it goes. He is Rusty Mansell. You can follow him on Twitter at Mansell247. Dogs247. absolute best in the game. Rusty, thank you so much.
2: Thanks, guys, for having me.